Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Beauty Podcast. I'm your host Emma G and joining me in this episode of the show is the fabulous Fleur de Force. If you're a regular listener to the Beauty Podcast you'll know that I quite enjoy unpicking how my guests have found themselves in the position that they are today, whether it's an author, a fellow journalist, or a brand owner. And in Fleur's case, there's a lot to unpick because by Jiminy, isn't she successful? She is um, a YouTube sensation, a best-selling author. She also has a range of beauty products. Really, what started as beauty blogging on YouTube, she has turned into an impressive business. And that kind of thing doesn't happen by accident and I really wanted to find out what her rules to success are about her work ethic and how she's really achieved this incredible success which to make the point is only growing and I also ask her the really important questions like what are her three favorite beauty products ever and she gives me the answer so definitely stay tuned for that but we also talk about being your own boss about growing up in the public eye and growing up online Um, monetizing YouTube and many many more things besides so let's get straight to it I will give you all the links in the show notes and at the end of the chat there will also be other links and uh, how you can get in touch with the show but for now thank you so much for tuning into the beauty podcast with me Emma G and I'm thrilled to introduce Fleur de Force much for having me over for a chin wag. Hello there, it's very nice to have you in my flat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited, we've got so much to talk about. Um, I'm just wondering where on earth we begin. So it seems like the obvious place would be the beginning. The beginning of time. The beginning of time. (laughs) So tell me about, because 
as I sit with you here today, you are one of the biggest names in vlogging. You have two books. You have um, what potentially could look like an empire. But tell me about... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Tell me about how it all began. Um, So I was at uni when I discovered blogs and blogging. And actually YouTube is where it all started for me. Um, In 2009, I was at LSE and I was really miserable. I didn't really like the uni. I don't like, I don't, it sounds harsh. I like my course, but I didn't really connect with a lot of people there. Everybody was quite serious and wanted to go into banking and finance. And I was right. like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I had that moment of realization, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, and I discovered this community online of girls who were just talking about what they were really passionate about, beauty, fashion, like all the things that I loved, but none of my friends were into. So I kind of fell in love with this community and the fact that you could be involved in it even if you weren't making your own content you know you could comment you almost felt a connection with these girls like they were your friends and you know you were learning from them at the same time and I just thought this is really interesting it's totally new it's at the time it was so raw and you know quite candid and you just you almost like got involved in people's lives and like in that small way like you felt that connection and I just kind of fell in love with it and you know, I was like, oh, I'd love to do this, but I never thought of it as something that I could actually do because mm. at the time, like, putting yourself on YouTube, doing your makeup, it was A, not very cool, and at 20, I was like, mm-hmm, I'm not really, <laughs> not really sure I'm ready for this yet. And also, like, it just wasn't really... I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to do this. I don't know, like, you know, I'm just going to stay and spectate for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the first time I showed, like, a video review of something to my mum. It would have been, like, a face cream or a mascara, knowing my mum's, like, the only stuff she really she really cares about in the beauty world. And um, she was like, you, you should do this. You'd be amazing at this. Like, you need to do this. She was like, come on, I'll take you shopping. We'll go to Superdrug. And I remember really specifically buying Barry M Dazzle Dust and uh, L'Oreal lipstick, (laughs) a few bits and bobs. And I went home that day and I filmed five videos in a day. I taught myself how to edit on iMovie and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. Um, And I put up five videos in one go and kind of made like a little bank just in case people wanted to come back. I was like, you know, I'm like setting up this little channel of my own. And um, it went from there, really. And I I remember thinking, you know, if I can get 50 subscribers, that's like the biggest milestone. And um, my boyfriend, now my husband, said to me, right, if you get 50, because I was a student at the time he was working, if you get 50 subscribers, like, I'll buy you that makeup brush set that you really wanted. I was like, oh my God, okay, this is a challenge. He's Which like, makeup he brush did, set was it? It was a Sigma one. It was, ah. yeah, and shipped all the way from the States. I remember when I did finally get it, had a massive customs charge and it was cutted. <laughs> but um, four days later, I was like, guess what? I've got 50 subscribers. He was like, oh my God. He was like, you know, you're going to spend all of your money on, on makeup now you're doing this he's like I'll buy you the brush set I promise you that he's like you need to be careful he's like you're gonna spend all of your money and you're gonna be end up broke leaving mm. uni so I was like okay I promise I'll be I'll be good and then it just went from there and I haven't had longer than two weeks not uploading a video really? since then yeah my uni finals I had a two-week break um and yeah <laughs> and then when I left uni it I'd started earning a little bit of money from it and I was like do I kind of risk that going to get a real job and working in an office? Or, you know, is there the potential to turn this into something bigger? At the time, nobody was doing it full-time, really, at all. A couple of people, and probably in the States. Um, So, yeah, I just thought, I'm going to give it six months. I'm going to, like, really push it hard and see... It was 2010 at the time as well, so 
But a lot of my friends were leaving amazing unis with first degrees, two ones, and they couldn't get a job. Mm. So I was like, you know, I'm earning a bit from this. I'm going to really push it and see if I can make it work. And yeah, just went from there. (laughs) Did you have a plan? Because I love that because it was at a time when um, anything was really possible. It was kind of new. And it, I mean, gosh, we can see in hindsight how much YouTube grew in a quite a short space of time. Did you, did you sit down and make a plan or did you just think, right, I'm just going to be consistent and see what happens? Yeah, no, I didn't. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I could say, yeah, I had this amazing business plan. But at the time, you know, I didn't know if it would be a job for a year. I didn't know if it would be a couple of years or a career my whole life. Like literally, I, I didn't call it my career or a business until like five years in because I was like this is temporary this is too good to be true um so yeah I I didn't have a plan I just worked really hard on it everything you know everything that I could do to make the content kind of better be really consistent and just not kind of give up and at that Mm. point as well it was really community driven too so there was a lot of girls who a lot of them now are still doing it no matter what kind of size they are some people grew faster than others some people didn't but like there was a there's that real like almost like old school blogging kind of network that still exists now because we were all starting out thinking like what what is this like where's this going we don't know like most people either were working full-time at the same time or had like a part-time job or doing something else to like try and make it work um and it was quite it's quite interesting now to look back and you see there's almost like the next generation of bloggers that are like career bloggers that are kind of they set it out and they have a business plan and they're like this is where it's going and that's amazing it's it's amazing that it's turned into Mm. that and that is a possibility for people because you know we were like what is this this is brilliant if we can make this work for a year this is great but we never thought it would last this long do you think the community is a big part of of how you you and others were able to do so well because I could imagine if you're making these videos in your bedroom or your living room it's quite lonely it's a very who do you um who do you talk to? Where do you get your information? And it sounds like community was a really important part of that. Yeah, definitely. In terms of sharing info and, you know, once everything started to become monetizable, mm-hmm. um, that you, you had nowhere to, to kind of reference, like, what you know, what is a good rate for that? What's a good rate for this? Yeah, yeah. it's all about talking to each other in the early days um, and kind of working it out together before it was properly established. Yeah. So. I've spoken to a couple of um, people who've got very successful YouTube channels and one of the things they have said is transparency among the, the vloggers is really important so that um, it's a level playing field so everybody knows what what's fair, which yeah. I think is, is really interesting. Yeah, especially in the early days because, you know, it took time before a lot of other people in the industry realised, you know, maybe this is something we, we have to pay for. If we want to control messaging mm. or if we want to, you know, all of that and, do it, and make it an actual collaboration, we need to actually be treating it as as a business um and you know there's that awkward probably three years where some brands got it some brands didn't like you just kind of had to be patient with everybody and it's like just about communication and conversation really and just having that relationship with people so it's important not only within the blogging world but also within the industry and you know just being open with people and having you know a conversation about something if they don't understand how you want to work mm-hmm. then tell them don't just get offended I think that's the <laughs> other thing people are like well you know they don't get this or that and you're like because it's new like nobody gets it because it's, yeah. it's a totally new industry you know it's it's developed into an industry in its own right which is you know is amazing but it took time mm. the brand relationships did you reach out to brands or did they reach out to you 
Um, I never reached out to any brands and kind of called called them. I know people do it now because, again, it's a different space. Mm. But for me, you know, when brands first started reaching out to me and inviting me to events or, you know, saying, oh, could we send you our new lipsticks, whatever, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Like, they want to, like, work me. They're like, that's, that's so cool. Be, it's amazing that they've even seen my content. I'm like, this mm. is, wow. Like, you know, so... No, I never reached out to anyone. Even now, I think it's so important to still want things and go and buy them yourself. Mm. And it's so funny because, like, you know, a lot of... I'm good friends with a lot of PRs now and I'll be kind of, like, meeting one of them. I'll come up with a bag and be like, oh, who have you been to see? I'm like, oh, no, I've just been shopping in, like, Space NK. They're like, what? (laughs) Why are you buying stuff? I'm like, because it's really important that I want something enough to go and spend my own money on it. But also there's a a consumer experience that when you are in a position of being a products are sent to you for you to review whether it's on a channel or in a magazine you get them in a nice bag with tissue paper you might pick them up at a launch in a nice lovely five-star hotel but actually there's something about going to the counter and chatting to the people yeah and getting them to give you advice yeah and you know what it's more about you know having that love for for the product as well it's like it's you know as you all know very well like sometimes you'll go to a launch and you get gifted some of the things from a new collection but it's not probably maybe not the colors that you Mm. want or and for me I don't like that like calling stuff in I'm like if I if I want something enough to be able to talk about it and also if I it gives you the ability to talk about candidly Mm. as well because if you somebody sent you something you're kind of like I, I won't mind not talking about it but I'm not going to be like this is rubbish like yeah. it's not really on is it so like for me it's like if I have bought something I can say what I want and I yeah. think that's so important so so important yeah and I always think that we all will hate products but somebody it doesn't matter what is out there every product's going to suit somebody so there's no point giving a negative review unless you're saying because my skin is like this or because my colouring is like this that's why it doesn't work so if that's the same for you yeah and I think I'm always again that's why despite the fact that I do do negative reviews sometimes like obviously not all the time otherwise my, my content would be very negative people would be like what are you um you know the relationship with brands for me still stays good because it's, it's not like this is awful this brand have done this it's like this didn't work for me I was really excited about it and it really disappointed me like that's about as as deep as it gets because what works for some people works doesn't work for others so you know well this is it um what are i have to ask this because i know that listeners will probably be really interested do you have like a a top three favorite products of all time it's a big question i know it's massive talk about (laughs) Um, like old favorites chanel vitamin aqua foundation i'm a big i'm a big fan (laughs) of that and i want since the very early days as well and i i've spoken about it on and on and on I feel like people that watch my content like really come on find something else for um YSL mascara always yeah. Fossil Fossil yeah mm-hmm. although baby doll has kind of taken over a little bit in my book a but little you can mascara it's, and some wardrobe I know it's up there but I think Fossil still is like number one all time mm-hmm. favourite and I've used that well not all the time since I was 15 but I got my first tube fit when I was 15 and the obsession started there are you wearing it today because I I have been looking thinking god your lashes are good (laughs) um I'm actually not I'm wearing a mac one today but I do have quite long eyelashes this is the thing I I get asked about it like what mascara are you wearing I'm like this one but actually that this one's better so don't buy the one I'm wearing today (laughs) buy this one um yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm quite hairy. Do have quite long eyelashes? At least they're in the right place. Is yeah, whiskers exactly. on your chin? Exactly. <laughs> well, they're just the ones to get rid of. You see. Um, and the third one, oh, all-time fave. You know what? A new one. 
that's come out this year that has actually secured itself into my solid favourites and might potentially be an all-time favourite is the Lancome Cushion Blushes. Oh. What did you think I was going to say? No, I did, I'm terrible. I love a guessing game. They, they could have gone on for 20 minutes because I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> Would you not? Have you no, tried them? Not yet, no. <gasps> you, need, you need to get one. They're so good. They are so good. I love them. Really? Yeah. And I don't use the cushion element of it. I just love the texture of them. They're like a balmy... Yeah, I use them with like a foundation stippling brush and they just... Oh, they're so nice. I love them. God, instantly going to buy some <laughs> on the way back from this podcast. Um, talk to me about being your own boss. Tell me about what that is like. And we spoke before we started recording about um, this concept of a real job. Um, and it is a real job because one is making a living, therefore it is a real job. But how, how do you manage it? How do you allot your time? And are you a good boss? <laughs> to myself? <laughs> yeah. um, you know what? I, I'm, I've always been very self-motivated as an individual. Like, my parents are so relaxed, like, bordering, like, like borderline horizontal all yeah. the time. Like, when I was going through school, they're like, yeah, we don't mind what you get in your grades as long as you're happy kind of thing. Like, they're pretty Amazing. chilled out. So I've always been, like, I've pushed myself. <laughs> so I, I'm, I've always been pretty good at that. So I feel like that's not the hard part for me. I think a lot of people struggle with that and being like, oh, I'm at home, I could do a million other things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I quite. I think when you love what you do, it's quite easy. Mm. The, the one thing I do struggle with is, is, it, is it can be quite lonely. Mm. But having said that, in the past two years, three years, it's been so much busier that you don't really feel the kind of loneliness as much. Mm. In the early days, when I was actually working from home most days... Um, that's when I really felt more lonely than anything else. And I think now, so, you know, I have a, a team around me that I work with, so I see them all the time. Mm. And I, you know, I'm always kind of either out at shoots or meeting people or, you know, out and about. And you do, it fills your time a bit more. Mm. Whereas I think working from home, like solidly, that's what I struggled with most. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it is quite lonely because I, li- I like I live in the middle of the countryside as well so it's not like you're when you're in London you can just pop out the door and be like yeah. oh I'm amongst people <laughs> or go like work in a cafe yeah, go and sit in Starbucks and do some work like but where I am it's like mm, go outside and walk the dogs and I'm still alone <laughs> but that's that still sounds idyllic as though I think right I'll walk the dogs for half an hour come back and write a feature but um it, it isn't like that when you're on your own I feel like um as someone who does it too sometimes it's really easy to procrastinate and think yeah well I've got so much time today that I'll do it in a minute yeah and I guess it's six o'clock and you've written like three words and you're like oh god I need to actually you know get some work done and then you end up working half the night which I mean it has its perks like a lot of the time as well you know when you are a total lone ranger in that sense you can have a Wednesday afternoon off and go shopping and then work on a Sunday Whereas when you have, obviously, like, people around you, you can't be like, guys, we're not working today, we're going to work on Sunday. Like, yeah. you have to actually, like, be a little bit more organised. So. Former podcast guest and absolute legend, Ate Jewel, when I went freelance four and a half years ago, she grabbed me at a launch and she whispered two things into my ear. She said, write the book and enjoy the free and freelance. And I enjoy the free and freelance. Yeah. I haven't written a book yet. But, um, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. But um, it's so true. And I was like, what do you mean, enjoy the free and freelance? Like, go to the cinema in the afternoon, because you can. Yeah. Yeah. There's no ties, which yeah. is good. Do you, do, do you have anything like that, that perhaps if you're quite busy and you just need a, a break, is there something that will instantly kind of relax you? You know, when you can sometimes build up distress when you 
are on the computer editing or there's lots to do is there anything you can guarantee will just calm you down cuddle a dog <laughs> I've got three dogs so I'm like they're always there that's the thing if I'm at home they're always there with me so it's like either to go and take them for a walk have a bit of time out I think it's scientifically proven that stroking animals is like yeah. a stress reliever so absolutely yeah, that's my justification for having three what um <laughs> for three times stress yeah, like so so stressed right now <laughs> stroking all the dogs what um what breed are they two springer spaniels working breed so they're super super hyper and need walking a lot which is good um and then a long-haired miniature dachshund who sounds piglet squidge and treacle yeah i like weird names (laughs) i like the idea well there was a cutter and squidge cake at uh, the party last night which i didn't had hello kitty all over it but i didn't partake but apparently it was it's a great name yeah it's a great name piglet Squidge and... Treacle. Treacle. Treacle's like the most normal dog name, I think, out of them. Yeah. Yeah, that was my husband that named her. (laughs) I'm like, it's pretty obvious. Is there a veto on naming animals? (laughs) No, you've had your fun. Yeah, I'm like, we need need more unusual names. I'm still trying to get another one, but he won't let me. He's like, four is too many. Do you have any other pets, cats or anything? Two cats. Yeah, but they're outside cats, so they're not so like babied as the dogs so right. they're like they'll go and catch mice and so they sit in the window just staring at the no dogs they do come they come in they have a cat <laughs> like, they come in at night but they they love being outside oh. you know they're always like out and about animals are good for the health good for health yeah. yeah very true now i'm sure people ask you a lot for advice sometimes depends on the kind of advice <laughs> <laughs> about um how to make it on youtube uh what the tricks of the trade are yeah is there a standard answer that you give that you think you've kind of bottled up what what that answer is in in terms of your experience? Yeah. I always <laughs> say three things. Be consistent with your content so people know when to come back and you know they really just they get to know you like that whereas if you're uploading like what you know one month you'll upload 10 times and then you won't upload for two months and mm. like they don't know where you are where you're going to yeah. be um the second one is be persistent it doesn't happen overnight um it takes a long time for some people it happens really quickly mm. and you see people shoot up but other people you know it's always been quite gradual and for me you know I'm one of those people that has been there since very very early days of YouTube and it's still like consistently like mm. keep going and I like that because it's it's a little bit more sustainable I think as opposed to you know shooting up and then like you, you know where is there to go from there kind of thing um and then the third thing is just to be yourself and have fun especially with YouTube with a blog it's a little bit different because obviously you put more there's more of a thought process in you know writing a blog post will take longer and you can go back and edit mm-hmm. it and things whereas mm-hmm. in video format you are like laying your personality on the table um so really like as comfortable as you can be in front of the camera and as true to yourself the more people will engage with that because that's what they they come there for you know a lot of the time you know, I talk about makeup and you know people listen to you know what I have to say about products and stuff but they also come to connect with you on a personal yeah. level as well if they don't like you they're not going to listen even if you know everything in the world about beauty you know you still have to be you know a, a warm person mm. on camera and that's quite hard to do like that definitely takes practice um it being in front of camera is not a normal thing for most people I remember when I first started I was like oh my god and I was so awkward and like very like oh my god what is this and you just you get used to it it becomes like second nature Mm. and then the other thing that I've added on to that over the years is also to like put things into perspective because 
the biggest thing that I hear from people now who want to start a blog, and this includes a lot of my friends, they're like, oh, you know, I wish I'd done it. Like, it's too late now. Mm. I'm like, it's not too late now. Like, you need to put it into perspective that, yeah, some people out there have millions of subscribers, but if you're reaching, especially if you're more niche, if you're mm. reaching 5,000 people, or even 1,000 people, a few hundred people, however, however many it's still a lot of people. And to be getting your message out there, it, it's, it's an incredible, like, power to be, like, that mm. you have. Anybody can do it. It's yeah. awesome. That's the thing, like, I, I think now when people make excuses for not starting, that's all it is, is an excuse, because there's, no, yeah. there's nothing stopping anyone. Like, all of us have the kind of the kit ready, like, yeah. either on your phone or, like, whatever. It's not going to be the best quality, but you have the means and youtube is free you can upload to that like it's you have the means to do it and i think a lot of it is is just excuses really are you a no excuses person if somebody says to you oh that that that's not possible do you think well i'm not going to take your word for it. i'm actually going to troubleshoot that and see if i can find a way around it mm, yes and no i definitely make excuses for things i'm <laughs> like oh yeah that's because of that mm-hmm. um but in terms of like youtube and that that mentality of like oh it's been done it's saturated there's no room i don't think that's true at all it's just a new arm of the media that you know it's going to be exactly like everything else you don't see the same people on tv years and years and years Mm -hmm. later some people yeah you know they have the longest career out there and you know they've developed and change and you know adapt over time but other people come and go yeah you know new people are always coming up and yeah, it might be harder to to make it. And I was quite lucky with timing. I was there early on, but you know, it still is possible. And I think that is a very negative thing to be like, no, like it's not possible yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned luck. I think luck obviously has a lot to do with things, but not sustained success like yours. So if somebody says to you, "You were lucky. You were in the right place at the right time." I would suspect you would counter it with, well, "Actually, I yeah, okay." I was there at the beginning, but you capitalised on it. Yeah, it's a bit of both. I think things were a lot easier then because there, was, there wasn't there was so much content online. You were easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, if people came looking for beauty content, there wasn't... I don't, I don't know how many beauty channels there are now, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, there weren't so many hundreds of thousands of people doing the same thing. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of luck involved. But like you say, over time, it, it's, it's, it is hard work. This is the thing I always say is like... It's not hard work, but I work hard. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's really fun. Like it, yeah, it's not, it's not hard work at all. It's, like, the best job in the world. But I, you, you do it all the time. Like, when you, when you do this full-time, and if you really want to keep it um, successful and sustain it over time, you have to work hard at it, mm-hmm. even if it's not traditionally hard work. It's great <laughs> fun. <laughs> and to the point of being yourself, um, Nadine Baggett has been on this podcast, and she's obviously been doing TV for 20 years. And she does a lot of this morning, and her comment was, the people who do really, really well on TV are people like Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, who are just themselves. They Mm -hmm. are who they are on camera when they're presenting in in the same way as they are in the dressing room. How did you strike that balance, and did you find it quite exposing when... Because people can come up into the street, and they kind of do know you. Yeah, they know everything about you as well, which is really weird, because of daily vlogging. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh my god, how is this? Like, how's your mum doing that? And I'm like, oh my god, you actually like know everything about my life. You get used to that. Because the only other experience that a normal person would have with that is if someone had been stalking them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, 
it's part and parcel of it. Mm. I think if I think too much about it, it freaks me out of it. Right. But, um, yeah, you, there's always... And I get asked a lot, like, how do you decide what goes in and what doesn't? But for me, it's like an, an instant decision in my mind. It's like, obviously, that's... Like, there's a line, and that's mm. too far. And, like, you know, everybody's everybody's line is in a slightly different place. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have... I don't share too much, like, personal stuff. Mm. Um, a lot of people do, and, you know, have amazing kind of sex and relationships blogs and things like that, which are awesome, but that's just not me. Like, mm. I'm not... For me, that's overshare. Like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to share any of that. But, you know, just wherever you're comfortable with sharing. Mm. But, yeah, it is quite kind of strange that people know all about you. But, again, I've been doing it for so long now, mm. it's almost like second nature. And I actually... remember when I first started getting... Um, stopped in the street and people saying that they liked my content I, I remember being more excited than they were because like, oh <laughs> it is quite a solitary thing to do you're yeah. like oh my god like and like I, I want to talk to them because like you know they feel like they know you mm. and they hear so much from you but I don't get to talk to them every day so I'm like oh what are you doing like they're like where are you going today and like I remember a few times I've been like yeah I like your blog and I want to be like here for an hour chatting to you <laughs> I'm like sorry um but yeah you do you get used to it but mm. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird thing if you think about it too much. Yeah, I think it's that I had a column for a long time and I'd bump into someone and they'd say, oh, well, that was so funny about that thing. And I'd be like, when did I last see yeah. you? And it would confuse me because I'd be like, oh, did I tell you that? Yeah. And then I'd remember I'd written about it. Sometimes with my friends, some of my per- like personal friends in the real world friends um, <laughs> that have normal jobs, um, sometimes they will like watch my content and some of them do, some of them don't, but... A lot of the time I feel like I've got really shit chat because I see them and I'm like, oh my God, and I did this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, well, I've got nothing to tell you then. You know all my news. I've shared everything on the internet. Don't, and, don't watch and my you channel. Don't watch my vlogs because otherwise when we see each other, I'm going to have no chat. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it just puts the pressure on them. You bring something to the table. Yeah, I'm like, what have you been doing? Because you know all of my news already. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you about as well is I read something that said that you triple screen... Oh, Which yeah. is interesting because I had only just understood the, or learned the concept or the phrase double screening. Yeah. So when I read that, I was like, oh, gosh, actually, I can kind of understand. But tell me about how you switch off and, and give yourself some distance because you can't constantly be plugged into a device. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the last time I properly, like had a social media kind of detox for my honeymoon which is like three and a half years ago but yeah for me when you enjoy it it doesn't seem Mm. like work a lot of the time if I go out for dinner with my friends I have one particular friend who will just take my phone off me at dinner so we'll sit down and he'll be like give me a phone and then he'll put it in his pocket which is great because it doesn't give you the option but it's even like people that don't do what I do you still everybody constantly will be like oh just check my phone and it's like almost becomes second nature I don't know how many times it says you look at a phone every day but it's definitely into the hundreds the average person will look at their phone and even you just press the button just to oh and the time flashes up oh no I've got no messages I'm like why am I even looking at my phone right now it's not buzzed like put it away Um, so yeah just like hanging out with friends going for dinner having a chat and it's something that the more that I've done YouTube over the years the more I've learned how to do that and want to do that um because before I feel like it was all still a bit novelty now it's Mm. you know I do it all the time it is part of work and I've also learned that like certain things it's still going to be there in an hour and a half Mm. like I don't have to be on it all the time I don't have to respond straight away um so yeah I'm much better at it now and sometimes I'll go out and leave my phone at home 
not for the whole day, but like go out to the pub and just leave my phone, which a few years ago would be like, oh my god, where's my phone? Ah. But yeah, that's that's really impressive because I think I think I might have a panic sweat if I realised I'd got to the station and I didn't have my phone. It's different if I'm if you're in London, it's different again because you have that aspect of like oh, what if something happens, you need to ring somebody or whatever. Whereas if I, it, it'll literally be me and my husband get in the car, go to the local pub, have dinner and come back. Yeah. So like, I know that he's got his phone. If anything goes wrong, yeah. we'll be absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, in London, I would definitely take my phone. Yeah, everywhere. actually, that's the only time I never check my phone is when I'm with my family. Because I'm like, yeah. if, if, if it's here. It's the only reason I... <laughs> something bad's happening is fine because I'm with you guys. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. sounds really weird, but it's the, and it's the only relief is when I'm at home and it's like, yeah. I can not look at it for the whole day. Mm-hmm which is a great relief. Um, Social media detox is a bit of a thing, but um, the reason I wanted to ask you is because when you're an ideas person, when you're quite creative um, and you work for yourself, there are are the boundaries between work and play, so to speak, or work and rest. And sometimes it's just, because it's just within arm's reach, you can just, oh, I've just had this idea about a video, I'll just make a Mm -hmm. note. Um, But it sounds like you've actually created quite a safe space with your devices um yeah I say that actually like if I'm at home what if I'm ever watching tv and this is what the whole triple screening I can't remember who I was talking to about that um the whole triple screening thing is I'll be watching something on tv and I'll probably be having like because a lot of my job as well has to do with shopping so if Mm -hmm. I'm like doing a lookbook or something like that it sounds ridiculous but like shopping has become work Mm -hmm. so I'll be like on ASOS trawling through ASOS on my laptop and then I'll be on Instagram on my phone like checking something doing that and that, to me, like, I like doing that. You know, like, I mean, yeah. looking through ASOS has worked great. Like, like I said, it's, I work hard, like, yes. all the time, but it's not hard work. It's great no, fun. And so, then you read a feature and they say, having the screen on is going to deteriorate your eyesight and you will go blind. And then you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be on my phone. But then I'm always like, but I really like it. Yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. And I think, you know, work-life balance, everybody's different. Everybody needs different things. If you're happy... And if, you know, essentially, like, one of the most important things for me is that if my husband's okay with it, mm-hmm. because as soon as he's not happy, then I know that the balance isn't quite right. Right. Um, and the only time it's ever got like that is with travel, to be honest, not so much with having a phone out all the time. He works all the time as well, so he gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, when I'm away from home too much, and that happened like, over the summer, I think I averaged, like, five nights a month at home um, for a few months, five or six nights at home, and he was like... You could tell. He'd never say anything, but I could tell. And my mum could tell. She's like, Mike's not very happy. I think you need to be home a bit more. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah, you just kind of change things. That's, that's like, the indicator. Of like, when he gets a bit miffed about it, I'm like, whoa, I need to keep it in check. And is that... Part of that is, is it about knowing being selective with your decisions because I'm sure in your position a lot of people ask you to go away. They ask you to do things. Yeah. And... Um, I guess you have to be quite selective and choose wisely. Yeah, and it's something that I've learned because I love travelling and I, I hate saying no to things. I'm just a very like, oh yeah, I want to do that and I want to do that and I want to see that and even if I've been somewhere before, I want to do that again because it's so fun. Um, so yeah, you ha- it's something that you learn. But also everything always seems to come around in, in clusters. Mm. So like one month, you know, all of the cool things will be in one month and I have to say no to certain things yeah. and then it, there won't be anything for two months after that. I'm like, why could this not be more spread out? <laughs> What's the favourite travel? What's your favourite place that you've travelled to? For work, um, I went to Japan with Joe Malone last December, <gasps> and that was amazing. 
yeah. But I, that's somewhere that I've always wanted to go my whole life. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. But it was only three days, so it gave me the taster, and now I'm like, I need to go back. Because it was so cool. Such a cool place. And, a, and a, an absolute treasure trove for beauty products yeah like an unseen beauty product yeah and we had such limited time when we were there as well so it was literally like smash and grab um i remember going into the department store and just looking around and being like oh my god where do i start i'm like where do i start i don't know what to do and i feel like afterwards i came away with all the stuff and i was like because it's expensive in japan as well and then you're like oh i think that was a waste of money and i remember going to harajuku and going to all of those little crazy shops that sell all the makeup and just being like I know what to buy and just grabbing a load of stuff probably spending a few hundred pounds and then yeah. being like why did I buy this I should have bought something else almost like mystery shopping what did yeah. I what did I pick exactly because like you're totally jet lagged at the same time too so I was like I need to get all of the Japanese mascara but I just I don't have time and I didn't have wi-fi to check which ones are like recommended on YouTube which obviously is something that now is second nature to a lot of people when you're buying so beauty products. When you're buying beauty products, you would use YouTube as a resource to double check your Yeah, decisions. YouTube and blogs, for sure. Like, if it's... Especially if you're in somewhere that, you know, has totally different brands and products. I'd be like, best Japanese beauty must-haves and things like that to find out. Ah. Yeah. That's interesting. What blogs and blogs do you follow and would go to? Or is it just what comes up on your search? Um, A lot of it's what comes up on search. I think um, it depends what I'm, you know, if it's something really niche like Japanese beauty products, I probably don't know the people Mm -hmm. that are making the videos. Um, I watch a lot of my friends, um, to be honest, especially the American ones, because I don't get to see them very often. Um, One of my friends is called Tati, um, Tati Westbrook. And she's actually super super popular right now she's exploded in popularity in the last year which is awesome because she's one of the nicest people um and she just knows everything about every single kind of product she uploads five videos a week so she's like yeah she works harder than anybody else i know um (laughs) what we do and yeah she's absolutely smashing it but she knows everything so if you if there's anything new coming out or whatever if she hasn't talked about it i'll text her and be like have you tried this um and yeah she's just very knowledgeable (laughs) Um, how have you expanded your knowledge? Because the first video was you doing your makeup and then you bought your Dazzle Dust. Which every, every, every home should have one. They don't make them anymore, though. Well, I, Or do they? I've are they just vintage, online? Are they online only? Well, I've got a few vintage have pots. You? Oh, yeah. I, the, I remember the colour that I got when I made the first video was blue. And I'm like, why would I want a blue Dazzle Dust? <laughs> blue Dazzle. Um, yeah. What was, the, what was the question? <laughs> I totally got sidetracked on I know, blue we both, we both had a little reverie about Dazzle Dust. <laughs> um, what was the question? I really did get distracted by... Um, oh, I know, how you expanded your knowledge. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, to give you an example, when I was working on, a magaz- on the magazine, after about, I think, five years, I realised that whenever I met a product, I was always looking at it from my own perspective and I realized that wasn't great for my readers because my readers don't have my skin tone and my skin type not all of them anyway so I trained as a makeup artist so that I could better uh, understand and better direct people have you done anything to hone your skills I wish I had done a makeup course I really should have done over the years but no it's more about just trying everything and like Mm -hmm. over time you know you can't learn anything overnight it's all very gradual um and I never claim to be that kind of expert in terms of makeup artistry you know like 
when Lisa Eldridge is making her own YouTube mm-hmm. videos, basically no one else is going <laughs> to, yeah. no one else is going to cut it on that front for me. So it's, it's more about, uh, you know, actually test driving products and like, are they actually good? Do they mm-hmm. actually work and things like that. So, um, in terms of, you know, learning makeup and doing it, most of it was through YouTube. Mm-hmm. So over the years I spent that good, probably like six months to a year before I started making YouTube videos, experimenting with everything. Cause you kind of discover that, Oh wow, I never knew that. And yeah. you're just constantly learning. And I don't ever claim to be like, I'm, you know, a top makeup artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. I am a consumer expert is how I like to put it yes. because I try everything <laughs> that comes along. Um, and yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a different place online for that kind of. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment. Every time they see it, blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com professional um makeup artistry content mm-hmm. and that's something very different i never claim to be that person um how do you try everything because let's face it, it there's a when you got one face yeah exactly <laughs> um i usually it's quite selective so i'll pick out pick and choose things that interest me or what i think mm. is new and exciting and different because you know so many products come out and you're like yeah. same old same old um but yeah, a lot of it as well is like through word of mouth. So, you know, if someone else is talking about something, I'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to try that and see. And, you know, just the same way that mm. anyone would, I guess, is like whatever piques your interest. And, yeah. you know, if people are launching something that's kind of not that exciting, if I get sent stuff up, goes into like this massive box in my office and sits there for a few months. And if I don't then go back and kind of like find it again, um, then I know that it's probably not, mm. not going to get tried. But I try and try as many I try and try <laughs> I try to try as many products as possible yes yeah yeah um, and I'm with one face <laughs> but I think that the great thing about that is you can find something at the bottom of a dusty box and I have the same issue in my office and you sort of overlook it the first time and then if you do go back and you do think oh, I'll just have a plate and you really love it that really yeah you're me. like yes I didn't overlook something but what's quite interesting as well is that people always expect your makeup to look really amazing but the reality of it is most of the time I'm trying out new stuff so it could be really bad I could have like mascara down my face and I'm like oh she doesn't know what she's talking about but I'm like no I'm just the first time I've used it so yeah this one's going in in the bad box Um, (laughs) but yeah I do actually have a box of like disappointing products oh amazing so like there's like a and every kind of six months or so I'll make a video about them but it's actually they have to be pretty bad to get in there um because there's no point in talking about average products, you know what I mean? I always think you should talk about really good ones and mm. really bad ones. Everything in between, nobody really needs to know about, mm-hmm. do they? So. 
Yes. Um, what are your favourite... Um, I know you like going to shop, so what are your favourite places for having a great experience buying? You mentioned Space NK. Space NK, love it, love it. Um, Selfridges Beauty Hall for me, I love walking around there. Liberty as well, obviously their beauty hall is to die for. Um, yeah. Do you Everywhere. Buy a lot, do you do much online? Yeah, depends on the product. I love Cult Beauty for online shopping because they always have the things that other people don't. They always have new and interesting things coming in. Um, it depends really what... I'm usually looking for something. Mm-hmm. I don't very often go and browse unless I know something's coming out and I'll go and see what's new or whatever. But I don't really go and just be like, oh, I'm looking for a new mascara. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to go to that brand and check that out. So I kind of go to different places depending on what they mm-hmm. have. Like Debenhams and Kat Von D. Like, oh. yeah, it's the only place that sells Kat Von D now. So I'm like, I'll go in there to check it out. Um, but apart from that, you know, every, everywhere. The amount of people right. I've sent to the, the States and just said, if you could just bring back a tattoo liner, please. Have you tried the ink one, though? Yes. I think I prefer the ink one. I got them both. So the last, the last time I got them, uh, my parents went to New York, bought both back, and I can't. It's just the applicator, I think. But even that, like, I couldn't... I, one of them's like a sponge and the other one's like a brush. Yes, but in terms of the... Yes. Yeah. But in terms of the effect, like, one didn't last longer than the other. No. Like, but do you on. not have a preference on how, like, how you apply them? That's what I mean, because, like, I find the brush harder to, like, get the line so easily. Oh, I quite like the brush because it gives me the, the ability to calligraphy. Ah, oh, okay. In a way that the sponge doesn't. Yeah. Because it's not as mobile. But then yeah. also, but then there's a greater... So with eyeliner, I always wanted to be able to do it and I was always terrible at it. And so I gave myself a challenge about five years ago, five, six years ago, of every day for the next two weeks, you're going to do your eyeliner and you're not going to leave the house to go to work until you've done it. I was late pretty much every day because <laughs> I had to correct the cotton buds, but it made me look at what I was doing so that when I did get it right, it wasn't a fluke. No, now you can probably smash it in about 30 seconds per eye, right? I tried doing it drunk once and I really screwed it up. <laughs> That's, That's different. That's I got different. really cocky because you know there's that story that Kate Moss can apply perfect black eyeliner with a flick without a mirror. And apparently she did it at some dinner a few years ago. I don't believe that. Well, no, I, and so I went to disprove this. Well, this is, well maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can't. And I just, it was comically bad. I, mm, I don't think I believe that though. Because if you can't see... Yeah, how are you going to do mm. it? Although, Ms. Moss, if you're listening, send, send us a YouTube, <laughs> do a YouTube Get video. Get on YouTube. <laughs> how to do your feline flick without looking in the mirror. I would be very impressed if that was the case. Um, now, talk to me about when you began to diversify. And by diversify, I just mean sort of adding threads to what you were doing with YouTube because you have two books... And it's not as it's not linear anymore. There's lots of things that you do. When did that start to happen? Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the first time I thought about doing it. It's always been, you know, what a lot of people are like. Oh, have you always wanted to write a book? Or like, oh, have you always wanted to do, you know, your own makeup? And I think not as a kid, but when, as soon as it started developing, you end up thinking oh wait this could go into that and I think mm. the the first time where I ever really thought it was a possibility was when I signed with my management company James Grant and they were 
I'd never, I hadn't had management before that, and I was quite late getting management for that mm. reason because I, I didn't really see the benefit of it for me because I quite, I'm quite independent in the sense I like doing a lot of the stuff myself. And I'm like, well, if you can't do it better, then I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> um, and the reason why I was so, I thought they were the perfect fit for me was that they were looking at the future and long term and expanding it horizontally as well as vertically. Mm-hmm. And I think that really interested me for a couple of reasons. The first one being that it, you know, when you've been doing the same thing in the same kind of format for five years, it's really refreshing to actually be like, oh, I'm going to do something different, write a book on a different medium or work on like developing a product line, which as a beauty junkie, that's like your ultimate dream, right? Because you're like, oh, wow, and I'm going to create the false eyelashes that I always wanted, that I always (laughs) cut false eyelashes to make. Um, So that's the first time I really started to think about it. And they were obviously like integral in making that happen and Mm. kind of executing it, which I couldn't have really done on my own to the same extent. Um, Yeah, and the other reason that really like, they kind of made me stop and think about it. As you know, you mentioned earlier, um, Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield, like they're their agents as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like the people that they represent are people that I really look up to in different industries, but that do kind of stay relevant and diversify. Um, they also represent Anton Deck, and you look at their career and you're like, wow, they have just developed and changed over time in such an incredible way, mm-hmm. and they're still so popular. And you know, I look at that and I'm like if they can do that within the entertainment world, there's a really, it's a really good base for mm. moving into social and like seeing what they can do. And I think that was for me the moment where I was like, this can turn into something, you know, with other people's help. Cause it's mm. impossible. It's near on impossible to do something like that on your own as well, because you know, there's only so many things that I'm, I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the point really when they were, when the, that became a possibility. And then it's like, you know, you sit down with an incredible team around you and you're like, how, where, they're like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh my God, what do I want to do? <laughs> There's so many things I want to do. And you end up brainstorming and kind of, um, it goes from there. So, yeah. Interesting. So when, how big were you in terms of YouTube when you just, when you got management? Is there a right time to get it? No, you know, it's very different now as well because a lot of people, when they're a lot smaller, have management, but it really depends on the person. Mm. Um, I don't think you necessarily 100% need it. I think a lot of people think like, oh, a lot of people, there's two things. If you don't work in the industry, people are like, oh, you have management. Like, that sounds really serious. I'm like, I guess it does sound a bit poncy when you're like, oh, my manager. Um, But when within the industry now, I think it's like a if you don't have one some people are like oh you don't have one. you're not with management and think like oh you have to be mm-hmm. represented to be successful that's definitely not the case I think it's for me it's like when it got to the point where I couldn't deal with all of the admin and everything mm-hmm. myself you like something I've either got to employ somebody to do it underneath me or work with an agency mm-hmm. um and it's just working out what what is best for individuals really I think it's not that oh you need management once you get to 100,000 subscribers or something like that there's definitely still people now who are really big and, and manage themselves. Or mm. a lot of thing. another thing that's quite common, especially in the States, I think, is to have, like, your spouse work with you on it and yes. essentially be your manager. I couldn't do that. I'd kill it. But, <laughs> I mean, a lot of that works for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, they it's kind of like a family business, as it were, and you set that up. But there's no right or wrong, I don't think. It's just when you can't do it yourself, you've got to get help. Yeah. Um, have you always thought big, though? It was never... Have you always had quite big plans for it once you decided to commit yeah I think it's always been part part of my personality is kind of just I never I never I never stop and think like that's it I've, I've achieved that 
I like this is amazing I'm always like yep great a million subscribers on like keep going I never Mm -hmm. stop and celebrate and I think that's quite quite an important part of just like keeping pushing forward and pushing forward is there anyone in your life who makes you stop to celebrate because Um, getting a million subscribers is pretty good yeah but not really my family is so chilled out like honestly (laughs) they're all like yeah well done awesome like but they don't ever like big it up but they're never like I know they're proud of me so proud of me but they're never like oh you're so amazing like I think that's part of again part of always wanting more because it's like yep like just keep working at yeah, it yeah tick tick as a yeah which to, is like, good yeah. I don't think it's a healthy thing to have people around you telling you're amazing all the time because you become yeah. a bit of an idiot don't you so. yeah. <laughs> no, that's definitely not a good yeah thing. they're like well I'm the youngest as well so it's like always they're always taking the piss out of me like <laughs> everybody yeah my siblings are like oh yeah make a video on YouTube <laughs> like I know that they're proud of me and they love it and they're like quite a big part of it now as well in some ways but it's just you know they always keep me grounded when, <laughs> yeah siblings are good for that yeah when you signed with um an agency you got a manager w- was there a moment where it was you you got to dream essentially and you were like right what do you want to achieve and you could literally say right I want a billboard on Oxford Street with my name on it like you could think that big yeah um yeah, I think the, the like having your own range of products was like the main thing mm. for me. Obviously, it's it's what I do. I talk about yeah, product yeah. all the time, so that was that was definitely like the moment of like, you know, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, that's number one. But the thing is, with my content, I talk about everything. Like, I talk about everything that I'm into. So they're like, what else are you interested in? And I'm like, home, where, <laughs> cars, and they're like, this is getting a little bit niche, but it's really difficult to like hone it down to like, mm. what are you actually going to do? Um, and then when the book came along, the first book, for me, I was so excited about that because it was just something totally different. Like I'd written before. I don't think I'm necessarily the best writer in the world, but it was just a new challenge for me. Mm. Obviously, because like I've written for my blog, but that's like a few hundred words here and yeah. there. It's not anything long form. And that was just a totally different and fresh challenge. And I was like, you know what? This is this is awesome. And then obviously there's the option to have people help you with it. I was like, absolutely no way. I'm like, if this is going to be rubbish, it's going to be rubbish because I made it rubbish. I'm like, um, and it's also like, it's almost a challenge to myself. I'm like, can I do this? Can I write a book? I mean, it's, come on, it's not War and Peace. It's like, it's a, it's a beauty book. How did but, you go about writing it? Um, I kind of it was quite a weird process really because I like sat down and had the massive brainstorm of like what do I want to put into this book like blank sheet of paper like where do I even start Mm. and I found it really easy for the first book and really hard for the second one because the first one I had so many ideas I think we ended up with about 70 topics and I had 150 to cut it down for 70 so I was like I've got loads of options here and I had to really pick and choose right and then for the second one I'm like can't make it too similar to the first one and I was I really ended up overthinking it but so I like planned it out came up with all the topics and then just started at the beginning and went all the way to the end and then wrote the like intro and the outro because it was very like segmented into like little sections it's really easy I found it really easy and it was hard certain certain topics were harder than others to write about but like Mm -hmm. because they were all so um they were like you know bite-sized chunks I could sit down and be like right today I'm gonna write five different topics from that chapter and I could sit and really be like you know divide my time and do Mm. it but I I can't work over a long period of time I I did it in six weeks from start to finish I had to be like I'm gonna start then and I'm gonna finish then and I'm gonna work like 
three three days a week on it, which for me is like I couldn't physically do mm. any more because mm. I obviously still had to be making YouTube content at the same time. Yeah. I couldn't have it as like a year, and I just I have no I would not be able to keep the same train of thought mm. and momentum for it. I'd get really bored. Now speaking about YouTube videos, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is basically you do have to teach yourself in many ways how to hundred percent you mentioned earlier about editing an iMovie I've had to learn how to edit podcasts and movies and goodness knows what else and thank goodness for YouTube because it's just a case of literally double screening isn't it and yeah it's the best YouTube going <laughs> and it's amazing what you can learn so did you have to do the same I mean, yeah YouTube is the best resource for learning <laughs> anything you want to know is on YouTube right yes and did that feel um Sometimes it can be quite frustrating to learn these things if you're completely new to it. But you, did you, do you find that it came to you quite quickly and easily? Yeah, to a certain extent. I think with me, once I got to a certain level of editing, I then find it really tedious to get more professional mm. at it. I think it's like the basic level is was good enough for me and I'm like oh the rest of that is really hard to look like I'm not that technical and the rest of it is really quite difficult um but yeah the, to start off it's so easy mm. like I find I found it very very simple and now obviously I've been doing it so repetitively for seven years that it's second nature yeah if it's just trimming and yeah the things like that it's fine yeah but as soon as it affects oh god <laughs> i have a friend who has a youtube channel called anger management and he is a brilliant editor it's what he does for a living but his videos are so brilliantly put together and i just think god i'd love to just sit in your brain for a day and yeah but that is that's some that's somebody's editing style it's mm-hmm. not their necessarily their technical skill do you know what i mean yeah. and it's the same thing if you're creative in a certain way if you're a great writer you can't really emulate that. Mm. You know what I mean? You can try, but certain people will just have that eye to pick out certain creative parts of something and make it brilliant. Yeah. And that's very different to kind of teaching yourself how to edit because it's all the same basic cuts. It's just knowing exactly when to cut it. It's mm. knowing the exact music to put in. It's knowing yes. the effects to put in with it. And um, that's a very different skill and I think something that is is more just ingrained in, in your talent. Mm. Now... It started off with makeup tutorial, and obviously barium's dazzle dust. I'm not going to get <laughs> sidelined by it again. And it's moved into other things like interiors. Um, will we have interior collection and interior boutique? You never know. I mean, I would love that, but <laughs> it really depends. I think you know my audience have kind of grown and developed over time, and now um, they've kind of grown older with me too, mm. which is awesome because I'm always talking to people like my peers essentially as opposed mm-hmm. to younger people mm-hmm. um so yeah if if that's somewhere that it kind of leads into over time maybe it's always just what's relevant for me what my audience are interested in and in hearing about mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting that was one of the other topics is about growing up and evolving in the public eye because um i think again i read an interview where you said you the website was having a bit of a revamp yeah and it was a restyle because you had grown, you had developed, and so all of the things about you, the look and feel of your brand had to change also. Yeah. Um, does that just happen naturally? Is it quite a conscious decision? Um, yeah, I think you, the, the, con, the content that you're making changes over time as you kind of grow and develop, and I think there's this real stigma online of, like, you've changed, um, especially, like, 
between the early days of YouTube when nobody was doing it as a job to now, mm. obviously it's a lot more commercial for mm. everybody. Um, and there is that, like, you've changed, you wouldn't be doing this. And you're like, of course I've changed. I'm, I'm seven years older than I was before. Like, things are going to yeah. change. But it's all about working out that, like, changing to make your content relevant to what you're interested in and what your audience are interested in. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm so lucky that my audience have grown with me. And I know, you know, certain people are talking to a different age group to to, to where they are. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm so grateful that I'm not in that position mm-hmm. because I can be myself and I can grow up a bit and, you know, just play it by ear in terms of what I want to talk about and the style in terms of the design of things, that has to be a conscious effort because it's not going to naturally develop with you in the same way that, you know, when you make content, you're doing it in the moment, whereas you have a website design and it stays the same unless you choose to change it. So that, of course, has to be conscious. But um, the actual kind of, like, style and kind of visual elements to content over time that you're making changes naturally anyway. And there are lots of job titles that go with what you do. So there would be vlogger, there'd be influencer. Digital influencer. (laughs) (laughs) But do you, how do you feel about businesswoman? Um, feels a bit, yeah, a bit over the top. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't, you know, I am running my own business, Mm -hmm. but I don't think, and I think, Entrepreneur as well is a really poncy word. Unless you makes me think of The Apprentice. I mean, unless you're Richard Branson, I'm like, when people say, "What do you do?" I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, right. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but what do you actually do? (laughs) Um, I think you have to you have to really earn your stripes. I think to call yourself that and have done different things. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference between setting up one business and it working Mm -hmm. to being an entrepreneur, where you know you've done it numerous times to different things. I think Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. So yeah, I call myself. Um, YouTuber or a blogger yeah keep it as simple as that try try not to be something that I'm not I think digital influencer you get called by other people I think calling yourself one <laughs> yeah. is a little bit must admit if I do see it in someone's Instagram profile I do think Ooh. I'm a digital influencer <laughs> but we know chill out we know a lot of people in common in the beauty industry and I said to you before we started recording the one thing that each and every single one of those girls said to me um, when I said that I was interviewing you for the podcast was she's got a, she's got a really good business brain you'll like her she's got her, she's she's not fluffy <laughs> I'm definitely not fluffy as a character <laughs> I have to say that um yeah I think that's kind of my within the industry that's kind of my reputation of being quite serious <laughs> like the serious one whether that's a good thing I don't know but um yeah when you're in this position you've been doing it for seven years you're doing very well thank you very much um, a lot of people who achieve a success uh, find themselves mentoring. Have you mentored? I haven't. I've, I still feel like I'm not qualified to mentor people. <laughs> you know what? I feel, still feel like I'm learning at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's also tricky as well because as things kind of change and develop, it's not necessarily... A lot of people still look at numbers and it's not always about numbers you know, there's so much that I've still got to learn, even though I'm one of the older ones and I have a big following. It's not, you know, I still feel like I'm learning and I can learn so many things from smaller YouTubers as well that are making amazing content. Mm. They just don't have as big a platform yet. And so I think it's more about learning from each other as opposed to teaching somebody to do what I've done. Right. And I think that's what's great about the idea of YouTube and I think why 
people will become successful on YouTube is because you don't have to do what everyone else has done. There's no like right path, even yeah. though there is a lot of, and especially so in the beauty world at the moment, I feel like everyone is doing the same thing. And I try and like change what I'm doing a little bit over time <laughs> and like edge here and there. But you know, it's, when people like something and it works, there's always going to be mm. a lot of that type of content. But yeah, it's, it's more interesting to me to see what people are doing that's different than teaching yeah. them how to do what I do. And I think one of the other themes that sort of cropped up in uh, the podcast with the guests is people have made successes either creating brands or or they've done what you've done. Um, I have a friend who's a film director and I am constantly quizzing him because there is no blueprint for success in, in being a film director. Everyone's journey is different, much in the same way that lots of brand creators had a completely, you know, the, the starting point was completely different and the same with you how I got into magazines how I'm doing what I'm doing now is probably unique it's not very many people who've experienced the same thing so when there is when it is the path less traveled it can sometimes be that either you need a mentor or that there's a community around you but it sounds like you are very much in the in the mix with people and your conversations with followers and other influencers to kind of keep moving things forward yeah, and I think it's a tricky one, really, because it's it's like how you measure success as well, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that comes back to me. The re- like, be look at it relatively, because you know, success to somebody. Some people look at it monetarily and think, oh, I want to make a million pounds and then I'll be successful or whatever. But everybody has a different measure of of what they, you know, what what they class as success. And for me, it's just people enjoying my content, mm-hmm. and you know, if I um making new kind of changes to things if i'm if i'm releasing new things that are interesting to people like that's how i measure success it's never really about the price tag attached to things mm. and it's also like with brand collaborations i think people often get obsessed with that being like oh well, that's paid for mm. whereas for me it's it's always about who i'm working with you know i get the, if i get the opportunity to work with a brand that i've used since i was a teenager and love mm. that's success for me it doesn't matter that you know there's another brand that have offered me three times as much money to do a similar thing it's like I I want to do that because for me that's you know that's the cherry on top of what I do because I've always looked up to that and always wanted to work with them you know what I mean so it really kind of depends on how people look at things and I know again before we started recording we talked about things that we would potentially cover and one of them was about how to monetize yeah are there like Fleur's three golden rules, or is there? <laughs> <laughs> because I think a lot of people. I, I did. I did a talk at the Beauty Blogger Awards the other day, and pretty much everybody was almost defeated before they started. Bear with me here, if you're listening, because everyone's comparing themselves to the top one percent and people getting a thousand likes per picture. And to your point, you have to be consistent. You have to be persistent. You have to be realistic. Um, do you have any kind of nuggets of wisdom in terms of moving things forward to monetize? Yeah, I think, and I think it can be difficult when you're smaller um, and you know starting out and growing. I think the most important thing is to, and it sounds hard because I know so many people do start it with it in mind to be a business, mm-hmm. but you really have to build up that viewership before you start thinking about working with brands on a paid basis. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if if the audience see you doing that really early on, they end up being like losing 
kind of the faith a little bit and they're like oh but what is paid for what isn't and they don't know you yet mm. whereas for me it's like my audience now know me so if I collaborate with a brand that they know that I like they know that's legit yeah whereas if you've only been working on it for six months or something and you start doing paid work that's great but in terms of it being a long-term kind of relationship with your audience I think you're already you're introducing it maybe a little bit too early mm. The other thing is just to always be open. I think there's, you know, there's so many conversations about disclosure, and I don't want to go too much into that because, mm-hmm. let's face it, it's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you, know, you can go round and round in circles, but it's always the best option, as far as I'm concerned, is always just to be open and tell people when something's sponsored. Even if you do get, sometimes you might, you know, get a bad reaction to that. But for me, in my experience, it's always been like that is the best road mm-hmm. to go down because people trust you, mm-hmm. even if they don't agree with. A product that you're working on you know i i'm always 100 percent like behind everything that i accept i'm in a very lucky position in fact that i get offered a lot of paid work so mm-hmm. i can choose the ones that are great and yeah. you know but i think you should always be very open with your audience and that's how you make it long term if you recommend a rubbish product and it, as part of a paid for campaign people go and buy it they're not going to come and you know and then it's rubbish they're not mm-hmm. going to come back um so that's one of the most important things i think when it comes to monetizing is just to be open don't just do it for the sake of doing it because you can no yeah i mean that's obvious isn't it i think it's all like i'm trying to think of anything else that when you're starting out and how to monetize and it's all about relationship building as well that's the other thing is you know so many people now and a lot of the times smaller influencers um will be like you know I'm not doing that anything unless it's paid and I think that's such a closed-minded attitude to have mm. because it's all about building up a relationship with the brand getting to know the brand them getting to yeah. know you if it's a brand that you like you know reach out to them chat to them don't reach out to them and send them a list of 50 products that you want because that will just make them like <laughs> hate you but you know just say I'm a really big fan like mm. I, I talk about your products all the time here's a link to my blog like just like you know I'm on and then you're on their radar that's and the it, thing isn't yeah. it yeah talk about their products talk about them in a way that's good and that people can engage with and and start the conversation with them. Don't don't not do a video and say I want to write. I want to talk. Yeah, about your products. I want to talk about your products. Can you can send you pay me, me to do it? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so it's all about you know building up that relationship with your audience and with the brands and you know mm. just just do what feels right to you and don't push it too hard. I think that's the best way. Um, there's a certain magic to um, being an online person slash digital influencer blogger whatever you want to call it and it's really something that you can't fake like there's just it's a certain like element it's like the x factor (laughs) it's like you know as soon as you try and fake something it's just not gonna work you just have to try and be as open and like true to yourself as you possibly can i'm so glad you mentioned the x factor because for 18 months i've been saying and i want to tm this why has there not been an elimination star show to find Britain's next best beauty blogger? There has over the years been a few, but oh, a long no, a long time ago. And in the states, there's been a couple as well that are like series online, like finding the next blogger. And it's, I mean, it's just a bit awkward. I don't really. <laughs> it hasn't worked so far, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's quite interesting. If concept. you were a judge. <laughs> No. <laughs> I also think it's just less entertaining than like it's a harder thing to judge than having you know someone comes mm. up and sings a song in front of you mm-hmm. you can instantly tell if someone's like got it or not the end of the e. yeah um but I think with 
online content is very it's a it's like a long-term game you know what I mean you have to sit and you fall in love with the character and you won't necessarily know within the first 30 seconds if they're like this or that but they have existed I don't know how best to turn them into something that would work but no I just thought it they would... haven't worked so far no. Well, I didn't. I thought it was my brand spanking the idea, but obviously it was not. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. God, Someone got there first. I'm going to go and have a lie down after this. On the plus side, it didn't work, so at least you didn't. So I had a bad didn't. idea, yeah. Fleur. That's no, no, but at least you didn't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> or you could go and watch it now and then learn from it and do it better. That is true. Yeah. That is true. I'll make a note in my diary. <laughs> um, whether it's beauty blogging, whatever it might be, there may be people engaged who are listening to this podcast who have a passion, whatever that may be. And um, we are in an age where you can make your passion your business. Are there, I'm asking you for lots of rules, but um, are they the same rules that you would give to a YouTuber? Or if somebody you loved, I'm trying to think, candle making. Yeah. Um, and really wanted to make and just thought, that's what they want to do I think it's so hard because I've known so many people that have done that and been successful and so many people have done it and have not been successful and it's so easy to say be passionate like go with your gut all of those but sometimes a lot of it's to do with luck Mm. and you know I've seen people come up with great concepts and it not work and I just think it's really hard mm. <laughs> it's such a hard thing to give advice on but I think can you identify the magic that's there when it works and perhaps something that's missing when it doesn't or does it just not make sense sometimes I think yeah I think one of the best things is to try it out get it out there I think one of the most frustrating things for me is when people are setting something up and they're very much like well I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna do and you're like just try it mm. like make a prototype and just try it see how it goes and put it out there and I think that's a lot of the you know what you learn as a blogger is you learn when you're doing it Mm. and for me that's so much part of everything I do it's like I'll do that if that works I'll do it a bit more and then I'll do it a bit more and then you end up kind of like honing and developing it you know if you're like a candle maker you hone and develop your product whilst you're doing it at the same time um I think the you know if you strive for perfection too early then you're just wasting your time you know Mm. you need to be like actually putting it out there and learning from the feedback that you get back from things and that's what's amazing about the the internet as well is that you get instant feedback in a way that you never used to be able to um and you can hone your content online so quickly so if you put something out someone hates it you're like change it so um yeah that would probably be my tips to kind of don't strive for perfection straight away i had a brilliant conversation with um mary kate who i think you know as well the other day we were just talking about work and ethic and she said something to me and i've actually written it in my diary because i just i hadn't heard it this way and she just said whatever you do do it with purpose yeah yeah and i might get a t-shirt made with it (laughs) (laughs) i love it do it i'll buy one (laughs) there you go you could set up a t-shirt business so. well there's a brilliant so when Sally Hughes did this podcast um, she said she was talking about um, how to do do. she was talking about um, work ethic and just basically turning up and doing a good job for things and she just said turn up work hard don't be annoying and I really want to get that made into a t-shirt <laughs> don't be annoying don't be annoying is amazing and so yeah maybe I should have a little shop on my website yeah with slogans from um, the podcast yeah. <laughs> no pressure, but what's what slogan would be on your t-shirt? <laughs> I'm still I'm telling you, I like the um I work hard but it's not hard work. 
Yes. I like okay. that. That's my, yes. that's my slogan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I'm For so... this week anyway, I think I've said it at least 10 times already today. <laughs> that t-shirt will be getting made. If you, Listeners, put in your request now. <laughs> Let's do a Twitter poll as well, something like that. Um, our time is drawing to a close. Um, it feels like we've been here forever. I'm like, this is the best chat. Like, I'm just oh, like getting, oh. no, in a good way. <laughs> I'm like lost in time. You know, when you're like, oh, what time is it? Well, I feel like, I honestly feel like I could talk to you forever because I feel like you, um, the girls are right. Our mutual friends are right. You, you're a sensible, no fluff lady. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. And if there's one thing I can't tolerate, it's flibberty gibbets. <laughs> flibberty gibbets. <laughs> that should be on your t-shirt. Yes. Well, obviously I have to have my own. Um, I suppose the obvious thing to close with, um, other than an invitation to come back whenever you would like, okay. is what is next? What does the future hold for Blood Force? Well, it's going to be one of those really annoying things. I can't tell you. I'm working. <laughs> um, there's something. Uh, no, there's something. There's something really exciting coming um, in spring next year that's related to something I already do. As a little hint. It's an expansion of something that I already do um, that's coming next year, which I'm super excited about. Dingling um, a ding dong. Yeah, and that's the next thing. And beyond that, we will see. Just I, I think it's a really difficult one with the internet and the world of what I do. Is that there's always the question of like, so what? What do you want? Do you want to be a TV presenter? Is that like, where's this leading to? Mm. And you know, when you're like, no, this is this is what I want to do. Yeah. It's just then expanding from that, as opposed to it being a stepping stone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be a TV presenter, I don't want to be an actor. I love doing what I'm doing. I just want to expand it into other little nuances. This is what I mean about the road less travelled. And everyone's sort of saying, well, if you're here, then do that. Yeah, where are you going? (laughs) But but the thing is, is what's wonderful, but also somewhat terrifying at the same time, is you can do anything with it. Yeah, terrifying. (laughs) Or really exciting. But you could. Like, there's so many... This is a great foundation to, to... pursue something whatever that may be Mm -hmm. and that's what's actually really lovely because a lot of people don't have those sorts of options no it's pretty exciting it's exciting to have been part of it as it's developed as well Mm. that's the most amazing thing for me like even if it all went away tomorrow I just feel so proud to have been part of something that's turned into an industry in its own right from you know just us girls talking in our bedrooms about lipsticks Mm. it's turned into this whole amazing world that I never could have even dreamt of it existing when I first started and I think that's what's so cool for me it makes me pinch myself every day because I'm like this is real like we like collectively all of us did this oh that's amazing so cool do you have the pinch it pinch yourself moments every day yeah well yeah I mean not Not every every single day day, but a lot yeah a lot yeah it would be I'm a very sore arm um yeah no it is pretty awesome like just partly because I do what I love and I used to do for fun for work so I'm like I feel a bit bad like a lot of the time my friends are like oh what are you doing today and I'm like well I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and they're like yeah hard day at work and I'm like I know I feel a bit bad but it's work and I love it <laughs> sorry other, other pals of mine in this industry who do a similar thing often talk about imposter syndrome or that someone's gonna walk in and go right we found you out yeah <laughs> go to the recruitment agency you've got to work a nine-to-five job because yeah. it's, it does still seem so slightly bizarre yeah yeah, too good to be true. Yes, but exciting things. I shall put a note in my diary for spring 2017. Yeah. See what flares up to. <laughs> we'll get you an invitation to the launch of said thing. Well, so <laughs> I shall be there. Hopefully. With one of my slogan t-shirts yeah. on. I should be wearing one too. 
Absolutely. This could be great. Okay, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> this is going to be a thing. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating talking to you. Thanks for having and, me. Yeah, come back anytime, my dear. Thanks. Well, there you have it. That was Fleur de Force on the Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G. If you have any questions or you would like to get in touch with the show, here's how you do it. Head over to my website, emmagunnawardner.com, where you can click a little envelope icon and that message will go straight into my inbox and I promise I get to each and every single one personally. Maybe not as fast as I should, but I do reply to each and every single one. Or get in touch on Twitter. I'm at Emma Guns, at E-M-M-A-G-U-N-S and use the hashtag E-G podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.